Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Folks, in life, you meet a lot of people uh, at different points and times and junctures in your life, and they influence you in certain and, and in different ways. And for me, I met a lot of folks when I was in law enforcement, both leading up to being sheriff and, and as sheriff. Folks like Claire Booth Luce, a publisher of Time Magazine, had the opportunity of sitting down with her on many occasions and discussing national, international events, piqued my curiosity on any number of things, uh, caused me to go do research. Anna Chenault, a businesswoman, the widow of General Claire Chenault of... Um, the Flying Tigers flew in the Korean War from China. Mr. and Mrs. Adolph Mars from Mars Candy Company, able to sit down with them for quite a long period of time to talk about the business operations of Mars Candy Company and what their, their successes were. And they were politicians like House Speaker Tip O'Neill and a number of presidents that I met from Nixon to Carter to Reagan to both Bushes, Clinton and Obama. And when I, trans when I decided to go into radio, I knew that I would have this opportunity. What I didn't know is that I would have an opportunity to meet someone in the middle of a crisis. In the middle of a challenge that uh, we had not seen in decades, like eight, nine decades, to be certain. And it, it was an individual who I think was... Um, the hallmark of emotional intelligence, the ability to manage the, the, his emotions and the emotions of others on a very volatile issue, COVID, and trying to decipher fact from fiction in a very dynamic, fast-moving, scientific world because of all of the uncertainties that went along with that. And from my perspective... We at WWL were incredibly fortunate because we happened upon a man by the name of Dr. Joe Cantor. And when I reached out to Dr. Cantor to ask him about coming on the show every week, he was busy, he was the state health officer. He started out as a district rep and moved to state health officer, and he agreed right away. And he gave up an hour every week. And in an attempt of putting himself in the middle of the friction, of, of the anxiety, of the ideological war that developed around COVID-19. And he always did it as a professional. Never once losing his patience, never once refusing to answer questions, never once refusing to... Uh, place blame or criticism where it was due, probably in many cases contrary to his own best interests. 
And that's what I truly enjoyed about my visits with Dr. Joe Cantor. Because no matter what question I asked him, he never ducked a single one. And I can tell you there are many that you, there are not many, I mean, in, in this business that I could say the same uh, about. So I didn't want to miss this opportunity. His last time that he will be joining us as a Louisiana State Health Officer, from my perspective, WWL, he will be missed. And I know in the community, because I get stopped all the time, where folks were telling me how much they enjoyed the demeanor, the approach, and the information that Dr. Joe Cantor provided to our community in a very, very difficult time. So, Doc, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long ride. It's been a good ride for you and I. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed it. I know that I've not overstated anything here because it comes from my heart. Uh, you played a pivotal role in trying to set the record straight to the best that anybody could. Some people, as you well know, only hear what they want to hear. But I can tell you, uh, WWL is much better served for it. And, sir, I honestly and truly... Thank you. Well, thanks. No, that that's um, that's just the most kindest thing I've I've heard anyone say. I don't I don't think I'm nearly deserving of half of that, but I really do appreciate you saying that. And uh, I'm going to miss these conversations. Uh, this this has become a real staple of um, my service over the past few years, and um, I think you provided me with a real good gut check on on issues that are percolating up and you know i'll tell you um you know there are many things i appreciated about about chatting with you but but one of them is um you know on on one hand i I think you never shied away from asking really tough questions and but on the other hand you you allowed the time to really dig into issues and um you know and in the soundbite world today, as you just articulated, COVID was complex, and sometimes the answers don't fit in a sentence easily. And I, I really do appreciate that you allowed time to get to the heart of what was oftentimes complex and changing issues. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope that together we, we helped uh, provide information that people found beneficial. But um, I, I appreciate you, and I'm so I have a lot to reflect on, and and, and and no longer having these Thursday conversations is certainly one of them. So I've, you, have, you have all my appreciation and admiration, Noel. Thank you, sir. The feeling's mutual. Um, did you ever in your wildest dream think you would be in this position, intersecting with a pandemic, one migrating from a, a foreign country into this country, and one that we little literally almost knew nothing about no certainly not um you know i i didn't think that my tenure in this role was going to be easy um you know it's it's louisiana after all so um i, I kind of had a sense that something would happen you know um that's just been the history we, we we have a lot of challenges you know oftentimes they're natural disasters etc so i i didn't think it would be smooth sailing but um this was certainly not on my bingo card of the things I anticipated encountering. But, you know, I, I tell you, as, I, as I've as i had a chance the past week to reflect, I, I really 
feel fortunate and grateful that I, I was in my role in a time of need. Um, you know, I, I think people want to feel useful and I, I, I feel like I, I was, and I think, you know, I certainly learned a lot. We all learned a lot, but no, this was, um, I had no idea in my wildest dreams that, that we were in for the ride that we were the past few years. I was always kind of curious, your peers, uh, uh, did they ever talk to you about listening to the conversations and were they able to draw upon any of the information provided? Yeah, I got a lot of feedback from, from people that, that I didn't know listened and, and that was really, really encouraging. Um, and it was a nice way, honestly, to to connect with people. Um, you know, I think, I'll tell you, in terms of communications, um, so much of the communication that a State Department puts out is pretty formal and buttoned up, press conferences, press releases, et cetera, um, that, you know, having the contrast of that to be able to really talk about issues and, and have some back and forth on it, I think, um, was illuminative. So I, I, I got really good feedback from, from the people that listened. And, you know, I have I hope it was, a, it was a way to to provide information and context that would not have otherwise gotten out and, and, and to reach people that might not have gotten the information otherwise. Yeah, no, I, you know, there were so many delicate issues because there weren't a lot of definitive answers. Right. In, in, in many cases, it was, uh, I guess, uh, a best scientific guess. Right. It wasn't just like a random decision. But it was based on some science, but maybe not the most current, maybe not the most solid. Um, how difficult was that for you to kind of delve through that? It's very difficult when you try and do it in a soundbite, almost impossible. Um, and pretty hard when you try and do it, you know, in front of the legislature as well. It, it really does require a conversation. And, and also, I think, you know, the ability to reflect on, on what was done well and, and what was not. I, I um, you know, I, I think the public health community, and I know we've talked about this a bunch, you know, made some serious communication missteps in the first couple months of the pandemic in an attempt to oversimplify what was deeply complex and, 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 and largely unknown issues. When at the end of the day, um, you know, I've certainly realized um, that the best way to communicate with adults is treating them like adults. And, and I think that's what the conversations with you allowed is you're just able to get into issues to a degree that you're not able to in some other forms. And when there's nuance and unknowns, you know, it's really no sense in trying to smooth those over. I think you, you, you tell people what you know, what you don't know, what you think, what you think the best evidence suggests. And um, if you've done that well, I think people are going to eventually reach the same conclusion you did. But um, having an opportunity to get into that level of detail is essential. And, you know, just, just there's just not a lot of mediums anymore where I think that's that's feasible, and so that's why I you know I cherish your program and the opportunity to do that meant so much to me and so much to what I think the public health mission is. Where, like you said, 
there's not a lot of certainties, but there's a lot of evidence and context. And when you put it all together, you can make a pretty good argument if you're allowed to really get into it like that. So I guess I have to ask, what are you, what are you going to do with all the free time? Of course, you do have those two young kids. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure the wife's ecstatic. <laughs> you mentioned I never dodged the question. This might be my first. Um, I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very thankful to have some more time at home. Um, I still practice emergency medicine locally. I don't anticipate that changing we don't anticipate leaving New Orleans. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next step. Not ready to uh, cement that yet, but for the time being, I'm very happy to be home. And, um, you know, this has provided me a really good opportunity to reflect. And to be honest, you know, I really haven't had a, a good chance to reflect on the whole experience um, in the past few years. And I think I need it. I'm fortunate. Yeah, you know, one of the I don't have many regrets in life, but when I went through the Katrina uh, uh, experience, the one regret I had is that I didn't have a scribe with me, and yeah. or I didn't write into a journal, you know, every night all of the, you know, hair-raising events that we had to deal with. And I'm sure you had those same situations going through the pandemic. Yeah, very much, and and, and I have that same regret. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just the past week was reflecting on stories of the pandemic and, you know, some of these stories about the, you know, just for example, the, the extent to which um, some of my colleagues in other states and us here had to go to procure testing supplies when they were short. I mean, you just wouldn't believe this. If you told these stories to someone who didn't know they were true, they, they would think you were making them up. So um, I think that's probably the nature of you know, living and working through um, something as monumental as this, Katrina was certainly no different, that um, just really incredible things happen across the scale. And I look where we were, we're still unpacking Katrina, you know, it's, it's going to take, it's going to take years to really, really unpack this pandemic. And we still have almost no idea really about how it started and yeah. And, and so many other things, but um you know, at the peak of the at the peak of the pandemic, when you know we were counting down open beds, open hospital beds here, and open ventilators, down to um, single and very low double digits, and those are just about the scariest times I've personally ever lived through. And um, you know, looking forward to being able to really unpack that. No, absolutely. Got a text here that sums it up well. Most heroes first start with doing their job. Some do their job well and often go unrecognized. This man did an outstanding job and deserves the recognition. Thank you, Doc. Well done. And um, others are saying this feels like the end of the COVID era with with your departure. That would be nice, huh? (laughs) That would be nice. I wish, yeah. That would be nice. Another text says, could not have made it through COVID-19 without the doctor. Passed info on to friends uh, and both in-state and out-of-state as well. And they thank you as well. So, um, uh, Doc, um, as the public health officer for the state, I mean, obviously you were in a position to influence uh, policy. Um, 
and you know there's still a lot of uncertainty as dealing with pandemics maybe not a COVID-19 pandemic but the possibility of another um your confidence level of CDC and NIH and, and the rest and uh, FDA as as you kind of move out of this world um, in in reaching uh, some collaborative um, context of uh, dealing with all of these issues. I, I actually have a high level of, of confidence, um, you know, and I think one of the big reasons why I do is, is I, I think. I think those agencies have engaged in a, a real self-reflective soul-searching exercise. And, um, you know, I think it's, um, you know, I think it can be the nature of, of big agencies like this to be instinctively um, defensive when there's criticism. And, and, and certainly CDC was initially, but um, I, I don't think they've been defensive anymore. I think they really, acknowledge and accepted a lot of the criticism, particularly around communications, and have, have worked hard to address that. We've, we, we've talked a couple of times about their current director, Mandy Cohen. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. I, I think she's smart and savvy and, and has kind of dealt with this criticism in an eyes-open, head-forward kind of way that I really respect, but she's got a tough job. Um, the FDA has gone through a similar um, series and um, you know one recent example is there was a, a rash of lead poisoning cases tied to tainted um, applesauce pouches packets and the culprit ended up being cinnamon spice that was imported from Ecuador um, and it was a big drop by the FDA we had um, about 20 or so cases in Louisiana we're still identifying the occasional case here and there but the FDA came out, acknowledged they dropped the ball, and, and now they're working to try and address that. So these type of acknowledgments give me a lot of hope. I think politically it's tough in Congress, and they're going to need the partnership of Congress to make real reforms. But I think they know what the challenge is, and so I'm, I'm confident. You know, these agencies traditionally have been the absolute gold standard across the world in what they do, and I don't see that changing. On the text line, I truly enjoyed Dr. Cantor's straightforward, honest answers. Listening to him brought a sense of calmness in the chaos of COVID. Newell, my one encounter with Dr. Cantor was when he graciously agreed to participate on a panel at a mental health awareness event for Delgado Community College in 2017. Please thank him again. He will be missed. Got to get to a break. We're visiting with Dr. Joe Cantor, the Louisiana State Health Officer. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We're speaking with Dr. Joe Cantor, the state health officer for the state of Louisiana. Uh, this will be his uh, last interview with us in that role. Got a text here that says, um, Best wishes for Dr. Joe. I feel like part of your show is not going to be there anymore. Love listening to you and him so much. Info would have never had because of you and Dr. Joe Cantor. Love this section of the show. We do too. And then the next text says, well, why can't he continue to just call in and speak? <laughs> said, well, that's up to, to the doc. <laughs> he will get a call from me. <laughs> that I can promise you periodically. Now, whether or not he answers the call is going to be another question. <laughs> well, I hope to. I, I hope to be able to come back on from time to time and chat with you about what's going on. Maybe not, maybe not every week, but I certainly hope to be able to do that. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's put you to work here on this last show, Doc. Um, you know, we uh, got this measles thing that's popping up all over the place here now. Um, do we know where this all started? You know, most of these cases originate with someone that travels internationally, um, gets exposed internationally, comes back, and then finds a pocket of folks domestically that are not protected, not, not vaccinated or don't have antibodies against it. Um, you know, we get these every year, but I think what's different now is kind of the discourse and some of the controversy around it. So there's 10 cases in Florida right now, nine of which are tied to, um, to Broward County, most of which to an elementary school there. Um, and then we've got two cases in New Orleans, which are uh, 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 two young kids and whose, whose family traveled in from out of state. And we don't believe that those have spread beyond those that family yet, but there's typically a 21-day incubation period uh, or up to, so, uh, or, or a period at which you can be, the propagation can continue. So, so probably another couple of weeks before we're able to say that definitively. But... You know, this is in the larger context of a lot of talk about vaccination rates and, um, you know, nationally, vaccination against measles has dipped a couple percentage points for the past couple of years. In Louisiana, we have traditionally been a few percentage points above national average. We still exceed national average, but we, too, have dipped over the past couple of years. And you need somewhere around 95 percent vaccination coverage in the population to prevent the occasional case like this from spreading into the larger group. And the reason why is, you know, no vaccine is 100%. Measles vaccine is somewhere around 96%, but that's not 100%. And on top of that, there are some people that 
can't get the vaccine at all, like, you know, people undergoing chemotherapy or people that have some immunology conditions. And so you've got to have enough herd immunity to protect those folks. So we're kind of teetering right at that level that you need to prevent larger outbreaks. And I don't know if this one in Florida is going to become larger or not, but, you know, it's not going to be long if this isn't the one until we get that. And to me, this is a real wake-up call that we got to be redoubling our efforts and try and get some of the politics out of this. Doc, I remember going to grammar school several weeks before school uh, starting, going to see my pediatrician, Dr. Jacqueline Winters, every year. I remember her name still today to get the host of shots and you had she had to write on a card you know sign her name next to the shot that we got and there was no going to school if you didn't have that card is that not the case any longer it's not you know i mean one of the interesting things about louisiana is for years we have actually had the broadest vaccine exemption laws in the country um you know we've got a, a a school vaccine schedule but a family can exempt their kid from that vaccine schedule for medical, religious, or just personal reasons, and they don't need a note from their doctor. They don't need it to be notarized or anything. They just indicate that. The parent indicates that. And despite those broad exemptions, we've done exceedingly well compared to other states, something that we've really been proud of. Um, We didn't really have a big anti-vax contingent. There wasn't a lot of disinformation about it. And I think families, you know, did it because that's what their doctor said. It's what people did. And, and that was that kind of, as you say, um, so I don't, you know, I don't think the issue in my opinion is the laws per se. I, I think it's more of just the discourse around it and, and how we can try and combat some of the, the misinformation that's out there. Um, like I said, we've, we've done very well in Louisiana historically with also the broadest dental Shemson laws out there. So, it's been a formula that's worked for us for a while, but, but again, our numbers have slipped the past couple of years. When we talk about the difficulty of getting in to see a physician, a GP or otherwise, um, you know, I remember as a young kid in grammar school, didn't seem to be such a big issue. Mom called on Friday and we got in on Tuesday. Um, you know, you call, you call in on Friday, you might get in a month from Friday. You think that's had an impact? I think potentially, and, and there was a lot of you know that type of stuff around COVID, and you know, initially in COVID, our numbers slipped because there was just a disruption in people's care, and there were a, a few months where you know outpatient visits weren't happening, and and so we know that initially there were kids, for example, that were four or five months behind under schedule just because of the disruption of the pandemic, but. But that, that's no longer the issue. I think what we're dealing with now is just this residual damage from how fraught a conversation it was around the COVID vaccine and that, that wearing off. And, um, you know, there are, you know, big prominent national anti-vax voices that have only gained in prom- prominence. And I think a lot of families, unfortunately, fall victim to that. To your point, I think the medical community absolutely needs to work on being more patient-centered. And, um, you, know, you know, fortunately, we, our pediatrician that we take our kids to is able to see us very, very quick. They always have, and we're very grateful for that, but I know not everyone's so fortunate. Um, there's been, every year, there's been discussion about whether or not we should extend the number of vaccines that pharmacists are able to give in a pharmacy as a point of care. And there's 
arguments on both sides of that. But at the end of the day, I think we need to be meeting patients and families where they're at. And if it's tough to get into a doc's office, easy to get into a drugstore, and it's a routine vaccine, I don't personally see a problem with that. So I think those conversations have to happen. At the end of the day, you know, the medical system for a long time has kind of worked for hospitals and doctors and big organizations. You've got to be thinking of ways to make sure it works for patients and families. You know, Doc, I have a little tick sheet uh, of information just that I know is a reminder. And one of the first that I, that I uh, drafted um, in my conversations with you was a, was a debate going on early onset in COVID about vaccines. And I think, it, I think it, it applies to what we're talking about today, whether it's measles or anything else. And that's the difference between sterilizing immunity and functional immunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the smallpox measles vaccine would be an example of functional immunity. And in this country, um, uh, sterilizing immunity means a shot and it, it eliminates it forever, 100% efficacy rate. Um, immunologists uh, early on were saying that they always thought that that was going to be really difficult to uh, achieve, especially in the COVID world. And what's ironic is that all these years later, we're still confused about vaccines and and the role they play, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And nothing in medicine is 100%. And vaccines are no different. There's a handful of vaccines that will confer protection to the degree that, you know, if you're exposed, you won't get infected at all. And it's that, that high level. Um, but to be honest, the majority of vaccines out there um, are just unable to confer that degree of protection. But what they do confer is some degree of protection against getting infected, but excellent protection against getting very sick. And oftentimes they need to be boosted. Um, mumps vaccine is a great example. Um, people typically need to be boosted uh, multiple times, uh, particularly during an outbreak. That's how you get through a mumps outbreak to confer protection. Tetanus, um, you know, you receive multiple doses of tetanus vaccine throughout your life, et cetera. Um, and that's just the nature of how things go. And it's, it's a nuance that, again, is easily communicated. When the COVID vaccine was first coming out, um, you know, there was a lot of hope that it would confer the type of protection that would just end the pandemic. And, you know, they were talking about late 2020 at this point. We had been in the pandemic for about nine months, something like that. And I hope that, too. You know, and at, at that point, ending the pandemic, I think, in a lot of our minds meant that the virus teetered out. No one got COVID anymore. And we go back to normal. You know, unfortunately, it wasn't the vaccine didn't prove to do that. The vaccine continues to confer excellent, excellent protection against severe disease and death, as many other vaccines do, but not protection to the point that it guarantees you won't simply get infected or even pass it on to someone. It lowers the chance. This doesn't guarantee that. And so the pandemic didn't end that way. I think now we recognize that the end of the pandemic really meant the end of some degree of emergency, you know, the end of overwhelming numbers of people getting sick and dying, the end of hospitals being overrun, the end of a situation that prevented us from living normal lives. Um, 
that's really what end of the pandemic has been brought to mean. And so just a different type of protection, different type of reality. Do I wish the COVID vaccine conferred protection to the degree which you won't at all get infected? Of course. Is that the reality? It's just not. And so in medicine, you use the tools you have. And I think that's what the medical community has worked to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we talked about the misinformation and trying, you know, once that cow's out the barn, it's so hard to put it back in because it's off and running because of the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that we have in the digital infrastructure that we have in this country and news moves so fast uh, in the blink of an eye. It's it's not only across the country, it's around the world. And to dampen that or tamp down on it uh, to get it right is uh, literally impossible. And I think you and I talked about that a lot, and, and that came up a lot um, in, in the course of this pandemic. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that strikes me is the – development and distribution of the COVID vaccine is one of the most tremendous bipartisan achievements that this country has done in recent years, at least in my opinion. It was developed under a Republican administration. It was really uh, disseminated in mass to the general public under a Democratic administration. It was done in record time. It was done exceedingly well when you consider what the challenges were. This should be something I think that we universally celebrate. It it really was a monumental achievement and one that people from all sides of politics, I think, contributed to. Yeah, but I absolutely got lost in the weeds. I mean, lost in the weeds. (laughs) For for sure. All right, we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Dr. Joe Cantor, the Louisiana State Health Officer. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Dr. Joe Cantor, the state health officer for the state of Louisiana. Uh, Doc, our, our one last COVID check-in, where do we stand? Doing okay. Um, numbers are relatively low right now. They haven't gone down to the low level they were maybe a few months ago. They're kind of hovering, but uh, they're certainly not rising. And clinical outcomes are, uh, on average, pretty mild for most people. But the, the same truth remains that people that are vulnerable are still 
representing a, a not insignificant amount of mortality in it. So folks that are 65 and above, folks that have pre-existing conditions, um, still see these people get sick. When I work clinically in the, in the ER, I still occasionally see you know, the classic COVID pneumonia and, and a patient that um, gets sick. The CDC just yesterday endorsed a recommendation for people 65 and above to get an additional booster dose this spring for that reason. So, you know, I think COVID is settling into uh, um, a threat that will be with us for a while, you know, similar to the flu. It's still not quite uh, at that level, but it's getting there. And um, I think, you know, for people that are certainly vulnerable by virtue of age or condition, um, you know, it's going to be risk reduction through, through repetitive boosters as recommended. And that's kind of where we're at now. Yeah. Final thoughts, Doc? Well, listen, Noel, it's been, it's been nothing short of a great honor and privilege. I really, really cherish this time to together. I'm grateful for you for allowing the platform to get into these issues in a manner that you just can't do in other settings. So, um, you know, I've told, told my family and folks that uh, my cup is full and uh, I'm going to miss chatting with you, but I know this is not goodbye. So it's been a real pleasure, Noel. Well, the feeling is mutual. I will miss these conversations, and uh, I learned more about a pandemic and more about a lot of, because we talked about a lot of issues, you know, public policy and international and national and local issues, um, the difficulties of regulatory authorities and what they do. And um, and, I, and I can tell by the, the nature of the text that the, that the listening audience really appreciated um, that. And, and I always felt like we were... Uh, providing good solid information out there for folks and I, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the time that you were willing to spend because um, I know you, you did your homework um, and I would never have you on the show without doing mine because I have that much respect for you <laughs> um, you know to make sure that we were pushing the edges of the envelope on these issues uh, because you know they, they needed to be talked about and we wish you the best and I will be bothering you please take my call <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go from there. Wish you and your your your, your family the best, and ho- hope y'all have a, a great spring and and a remainder of twenty twenty four. Thank you, Doc, so much. Thank you, Noel. Pleasure as always has been one hundred percent mine. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. That's Dr. Joe Cantor, the Louisiana State Health Officer. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. And the texts keep coming in. Take good care, Dr. Joe. Now the text says, um, y'all going to make us cry. Oh, my God, I'm a mess. Yet another text says, traveling but thankful. I listened in today on Odyssey. A lot of conservatives wouldn't have tolerated Dr. Joe's totally science-based opinions, especially reference to COVID. But thank you both for doing so. Um, And that was kind of... kind of the thing i mean there was a lot of pressure here there and everywhere else and that's why i really just appreciated the frankness of um dr joe Cantor. he he never exhibited fear in in responding to any question and um you know a lot of people don't realize this but um a lot of these interviews that i conduct uh, they're actually uh, repurposed in other markets, especially when we're talking about something that's not unique to New Orleans, right? And 
and in Dr. Joe's case, that was a lot of our conversations. And uh, they, he had a very strong following in a number of cities ar- around the country that looked forward to listening uh, to what he had to say, uh, the expertise that he brought, that the manner in which he presented uh, the material in, in such an articulate, intellectual way. Um, you know, and as I said before, and because I heard these comments, and we got texts from all over the country o- over these uh, past couple of years, um, they they really just uh, appreciated that uh, he answered all the questions and never shied away from them. And he called folks out when they needed to be called out, um, when he thought that they weren't fulfilling uh, the mission uh, that they were hired to do, that we failed, and we got to get better. Uh, because if we don't get better, it costs lives. And it's all about saving lives. And, and we heard that from him over and over and over again. And um, and this, you know, all with a really caustic uh, political landscape on, on so many different fronts. And uh, I'll say it again. I, I thank him very much. Uh, just another text coming in. Great job to Newell and Dr. Joe. He will be missed and that is so true when we come back after the top of the hour news break we will visit with tim temple the louisiana insurance commissioner and uh, we'll also visit at 12:30 with harry rosenberg former u.s attorney we'll talk about uh the fanny willis case and darlene casanza after that okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.